Welcome, welcome. This is Nerds Talk. I'm Steve. I'm Kevin. <laughs> and um, today we're going to talk about uh, satanic murder. But well, I just want to run a few things by you first, though, because um, there's some st- crazy stupid news. <laughs> so first piece of stupid news, right? There's some crazy fool walking around stealing dummies from babies. <laughs> right. <laughs> in okay. Har- so in Harlow... <laughs> Uh, on the 10th of February and then the 7th of August, some some guy, look, there's a picture of him, um, but like a picture from behind, wearing a, um, a black hoodie. Could be a could be a young a young person, but yeah, several incidents of this person taking dummies out of babies' mouths. Uh, um, on one right. <laughs> on one occasion, a baby was actually assaulted in in while it's happening. I mean, what the hell is that all about? And um, <laughs> police have released this image, but it's uh, obviously just a picture of someone behind. I reckon you'd probably identify the the, the hoodies wearing and, and baggies wearing. Do you know what I mean? If you knew him, but um, yeah, Essex police have asked uh, anyone who uh, who recognises this person or has seen someone match the description or acting suspiciously to come forward. <laughs> what? So is that the baby going to have to make a statement at the ten court? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that just shows someone badly needs some dummies. So I think we should have like a just giving page to get some dummies for this guy. <laughs> I tell you what, though, any parent—I'm surprised this kid hasn't been knocked out because any parent knows that was when a, when a, if if you got a kid like one of my kids loved loved a dummy. If it if it get if they lose it or they sometimes they just chuck it out the pram, especially when the little or the buggy. Um, as soon as they lose it, it's a nightmare. Because you have to then, if you haven't got a spare, you have to then go and buy one. Otherwise, you get crying child. So um, there's no way I'd be letting anybody just take a dummy out of my kid's mouth. <laughs> so here's a question around dummies. Can you remember a period in your life when you actually used a dummy as a child? I can't remember. No. Apparently, I loved a dummy when I was a kid. But I think I think when I was about three or four, um, I mean three, uh, my mum and dad uh, took it off as they said Santa, it, it was Christmas time and they said that um, it's time to leave this for Santa now and so I went okay and that was it See, I wonder, <laughs> I, I know my mum remember her saying that child's too old for a dummy and stuff like that and I think maybe I wasn't given a dummy because I can't breathe through my nose comfortably all right. I wonder if like the dummy encourages you to have your mouth closed or something more as a child, and I've never developed that habit. Swallow well, a bit nasally. Well, my my you talking about dummies? My youngest, uh, we were just taking him off his dummy. He was about, he was like, he must have been three at the time. Um, we were just taking him off, trying slowly getting it away from him, and then you get to the point where you're kind of like, oh, you just just have a dummy for for like night time, and that's a really good position to be in. Um, so we were just kind of building up to that point. And then he went and fell out of our bedroom window and ended up in hospital and everything, didn't he? So, um, which, another dummy. so when he first, well, the second thing he said when he came out of the coma and everything was, um, uh, Dodi. <laughs> <laughs> he said, first of all, it was like daddy. And then he said, Dodi. <laughs> so, Dodi, yeah. So he really wanted these dummies. So, um, uh, obviously, he had a dummy for a lot longer than he would have had if he if he didn't have an accident. But I mean, that's another horror story for another time, isn't it? So 
if I had a kid that, well, you know, I've got to wean them off their, their dummy, I'd probably get them addicted to something else. I don't know, like crack cocaine or heroin. <laughs> so, but, I mean, it is that when he was a kid, um, to help him sleep, his mum and dad used to his dummy in whiskey. I mean, <laughs> no wonder he's an alcoholic. <laughs> well, I used to get, like, if I had a toothache, as a kid, dabbing my finger in some whiskey and dabbing it onto the gum. Yeah. Maybe that's why I like whiskey. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. It does no, numb... No, I'm not an alcoholic, though. <laughs> it does numb, you, it'll numb your gums a little bit, won't it? So it probably helps with teething. I think that's where it probably came from. Not that anybody would do it nowadays, but, you know, back then it was acceptable. I think anything... Anything so. sort of 80s and before was... Anything goes, really. <laughs> Never did me any harm. <laughs> well, then the, the second piece of news is um, it's just a tough story about a Texas woman, right, who was attacked by a snake and a hawk all at the same time while she was <laughs> mowing the lawn. And you can guess what happened, can't you? She's, um, she, she's mowing the lawn and out pops a snake. So she's like, ah, <laughs> snake. At, at the very, uh, just by coincidence, at the very same time, a hawk is overhead going, ha-ha, there's a snake oh, to eat. <laughs> so it comes flying down. The snake goes to bite her at the same time as it swoops down to get the snake, to get the snake but she's in the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be like getting struck by lightning. It's very rare. Yeah. Um, to get hit by a snake and a hawk at the same time has got to be physically <laughs> very rare. She needs to go to the lottery stash. Yeah, she's got, she scratched all her arm and everything, there's a blood everywhere. So she got like, <laughs> she got done. <laughs> she got proper done. Uh, I, I don't think I'd admit to that. <laughs> I think I'd that one to myself and hope the neighbours didn't see that. So you'd, you'd be like, oh, what, did, what did you do with your arm? Oh, it was uh, lawnmower. I got caught in the lawnmower. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> so there you go. She oh, wasn't yeah, actually bitten story. by the snake, but she was um she was sliced open um I've, by the I've got walk. I've got some true news story that's actually happened in my area. Oh, so yeah. literally the one street away from me there was a big surge and a load of houses blew up. Um some houses caught on fire and we've got about five hundred houses in the next road from me without power for the last 24 plus hours. Jeez. Um, they've got like the roads cordoned off. Um, it's an absolute, they've declared it a critical incident. I'm like, bloody hell, that would have taken out all my computer and everything. And probably all of my writing is on my computers. Is anyone hurt? I don't think anyone was hurt. Um, so like, I guess... just blew a load of fuses and um, electrical appliances and everything. And, that's weird. I'm wondering, is that some kind of like a, well, we're going to hack into some, some cyber hacking or something and they've just worked out how to make electrical surges in junction boxes. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's to back up your data. It's the future. I mean, it is the kind of thing that's been talked about since we went through the whole fears of, uh, of, of through the decades in the last episode. It is the kind of the thing that people have been afraid of since was it the 90s? <laughs> Actually, 2000s, we'll say, being generous. People have been scared cyber of this attack, kind of yeah. cyber attacks, yeah. 
<laughs> well, I don't know, though. I'm going to go back to the 80s because I was terrified that World War Three is going to be started by some kid hacking into some government computer and kind of film war games. I actually think that World War Three is not what we think. So traditionally, a war is where people are uh, getting bombed, there's, there's gunfights. And um, I actually think we're going through World War Three now. And it's I like, a, in, and it's a culture war. It's kind of like, um, uh, what do you call it? Sile. It's like, let's just say China have um, have infiltrated uh, the culture, in, uh, infiltrated and influenced uh, our culture. This is mainly American. Obviously, American stuff filters through to the UK quite a bit. And luckily, we we don't. I feel like we don't get as extreme as as the Americans do. But um, uh, but I feel like that the the China. I'm not saying this is true, but the Chinese could have, um, you know, allegedly, just, allegedly uh, destroying American or the Western society from the inside. So we destroy ourselves. It's a little bit. I, I, I think I think I talked about this um, uh, when I was talking about um, AI destroying the world. Um, you know, the, whole, the few weeks ago, the whole news cycle was around uh, AI, like, you know, and the world's going to end because of AI or whatever. Well, um I don't think the world is going to end because of AI. I think it's going to be us ending our own society, our own, you know what I mean, from the inside. That's that's what it's all about. Corrupting. Yeah, I mean, that, that, all the, when you hear about the, the political interference of Russia and the elections and then fake news all coming out, you can start seeing they're planting the seeds of don't trust your news, don't trust what you're reading here, don't trust them, and then slowly feeding in stuff. Now we know that they can influence social media, yeah. feeding stuff in through social media influencing people well, here's maybe the there's a whole study in psyops that they're using well no I, th- I think you've got this around the wrong way I think that um, we, you can't trust the news you can't trust governments right I think that's the truth of it the the psyop bit is um, is the people that are completely brainwashed into thinking that the new that do believe the news and do believe the government you know what I mean because mm. they're the ones that seem to be to go loopy um, I suppose a lot of people would say they're the leftists and everyone else is, is like extreme right, racist, homophobic, misogynist. <laughs> oh, I suppose you've seen such divisions that I've never seen before with Brexit. There was a uh-huh. lot of divisions there. And yeah. People would disagree on political points before. No, never anything like one side having a go at those that voted Brexit, others having a go at the Ramonas and all that. Yeah. And then when you go through, you've you've had such a bigger division between whatever your views you might have on a certain incident that occurred between 2020 and 2022, mm-hmm. that that divided a lot of people with different opinions over yeah. certain injection treatments and stuff. Um, and it's just been more division, division, division. Yep, and all through, and, and the, the way they do it is fear on top of fear on top of fear on top of fear, just like we talked about on the last episode. Yeah, and then multiple sources. So who the hell do I believe now? I don't know what. Yeah, so that's a whole other topic that we've kind of been talking about. yeah. But um, so you wanted to talk about satanic murders. So before you go into that, I just want to say I watched the new Evil Dead film last night. I don't know if you've seen any of the Evil Dead films before. No, no. um, No, I've seen parts of them. I think when I was young, I did watch one. Oh well, really... the, the the new one, Evil Dead Rise, really good. I thought. Oh, hold on. And yes, 
Of course, I've seen the Evil Dead Rise. I went to see oh, it at yeah. the cinema um, when it first came out. Well, there, there you go. It was, yeah. I thought, very gory, <laughs> yeah. quite creepy, self-contained. And what I liked about that, and I would, this does lead into the satanic murders and things, but the fact is they didn't actually mess with the original Evil Deads. And that the remake yeah. in 2013, they've included it in a clever way of being part of the actual overall franchise. Because in this um, Evil Dead Rise, they, we learned that the Necronomicon, Book of the Dead that they find, is one of three books. So obviously we've got the book of the Necronomicon that was in the original 80s movies. The book, the, the second book was from the remake, which turns out wasn't a remake now. And then this one. So it all keeps canon. All of them are all like part of that universe. And what a clever way I thought of having it like there's more than one of these books. And each of those different franchises that have been made over the decades are just a different version of the book they've had. Mm. Really well done. Well, that's interesting because I haven't, I don't know a lot about the Evil Dead. That's why I didn't click on when you said Evil Dead because the way I say Evil Dead is like how it how it was, and I didn't really, um, like I said, I haven't really, I, I know about them, but you know, I haven't watched them them all. But um, well when I watched watch. when I watched the, the Evil Dead Rise, um, it wasn't anything to do with what I originally thought of as the Evil Dead. So, um, but you, yeah, you obviously you know much more about it than me, but I really enjoyed the film as well. I thought it was uh, really well done. It it, it was just really well done, that whole thing with like, because obviously the Evil Dead is about the original. They go to a cabin in the wood. Someone finds a creepy old book with a recorded translation. They play the tape of the translation. It awakens the Evil Dead. Um, And then obviously the remake, the same thing. And it's obviously that these these are just different versions of different books. They're all the Necronomicons, but there's three of them. So the yeah. three evil books. And I just thought, what a really clever way. But it's well worth watching the original and the TV series, Ash vs. the Evil Dead as well. Yeah. I um, thought they were all the kind of comedies, though. Hum- the, the, the first one, Evil Dead, is quite a dark, grim, very serious um, horror. Mm-hmm. The second one, it's a light, more light-hearted, still a horror, but it's some of its black humour in it, and it's a little bit, you know, there's some more funnier moments in it. The third one, where the basically the main protagonist gets at the end of Evil Dead Two, he gets transported through a portal back to medieval times, where he becomes the prophesized one that will rid the world of the deadites, and he's like trapped in the medieval past. So the third one is about him in the medieval times, and it's just all-out comedy <laughs> um, with Bruce Campbell, his com- comedic genius. And then the TV series is based on that. Uh, it's, it's even funnier. That must be how I view it then. The, by the, I've, I've always judged it by the third one. I think that might be the one that I've seen a lot of. Yeah, that's just all call-out comedy. The first yeah. two are quite grim. I've even seen The Evil Dead, the musical in Vegas. That was <laughs> awesome. Oh really? Like, yeah, so you've got like a splatter zone with blood splattering people and stuff like that. <laughs> lots of nice songs about them going on a holiday in the woods and <laughs> this bodily dismemberment and stuff. <laughs> well, talking about dismemberment, I want to talk what about dismemberment. <laughs> I want to talk about. Hang dis- on, I am eating now. <laughs> now I choose the worst time to eat. Yeah, you're gonna love this. Gonna make your feed- food taste much nicer. So I want to talk about uh, the disappearance of a Texan student in March 1989, which sparked a nationwide manhunt. 
Um, and it happened on the border town of Matamoros. Matamoros. Hopefully, I'm not butchering that that name. Um, and it's a it's it's a place where uh, students from the University of Texas go out on a night out, mm. bars, booze, you know, living it up. Um, and there was a guy called Mark Kilroy, mm-hmm. and he was a pre med student from Texas. Um, and he was well well behaved, twenty one year old, um, not not crazy or anything. Um, he had quite a religious family, and on the eleventh of March, nineteen eighty nine, he crossed the uh, the Rio Grande Bridge into Matamoros with the, several of his mates. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually it was for the spring break holiday, so oh, sounds like okay. a nice story. I like yeah, it. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, Unfortunately, he ended up as a human sacrifice in a horrific oh. black magical killing. <laughs> oh. Oh. There's going to be an idyllic road trip you're going to tell us about. <laughs> well, he was murdered, right, by an American drug dealer, gang leader, and black magic practitioner, a guy called um, Adolfo Constanzo. And that, they, that all happened. So, right, picture this, right, on the 14th of March. Um, Constanzo's henchmen, they were prowling the streets and the alleys um, with instructions specifically to pick up an Anglo for the purposes of a ritual slaughter. Oh. (laughs) So it was uh, two in the morning when they snatched Kilroy. What what are you doing? Oh, I'm opening a packet of refrigerators. (laughs) Talking about dismemberment makes me hungry. Well, so he's returning on foot across the border. At knife point, Kilroy, this guy, this kid, is bundled into the back of a pickup truck, and he's driven. He's driven thirty-two kilometers to like this old cattle ranch called uh, Rancho Santa Elena, and it was one of the uh, headquarters of Constanzo's drug gang. And the gang members, he gagged, they gagged him and blindfolded him and threw him in this little um, uh, wooden shack. Um, which was like stinking in there, like flies and everything. And he was in there for like twelve hours. Um, Jesus. yeah, he was. Uh, after that, he was. He was. He was taken out. So twelve hours in this little shack, and then they took him out. He must have been thinking, "What the hell is going on?" Um, they untied him and then they gave him some food. And then right. the gang promised that they're not going to harm him. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, that's all right. And then they said, come this I way. Them. <laughs> and then they said, come this way. And they took him to a yard behind the shed. And they said, uh, just kneel there. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is this just like part of the formalities to let me go? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Constanzo, the, the head honcho, he, he comes along and just executes him. Single blow with a machete to the back of the neck. Bosh, dead. Whipped his head off. Well, Constanzo along with his um, these witch priestess, who was called Sara uh, Aldretti. And the, um, uh, they, they basically just began like this ritual mutilation of, of Kilroy's corpse. So they took his head, hacked it off, mm-hmm. so that they could remove the brain. They removed... Uh, then they removed his legs, cut, just cut off just below the knees. Um, his, mm-hmm. his genitals were then torn off 
and his spinal cord was ripped from his body. That's a bit extreme, that. I mean... <sighs> Unbelievable. Oh, what, to what purpose? Just They just fancied killing him. Well, so, so at the time... So, right, imagine this, right? Constanzo, he's 26 years old at this point, right? He's a red-headed um, Cuban-American who's making a lot of money out of drug dealing. He's a smuggler, he's a gang leader, and he's running like half a ton of marijuana every week across the border into the US, as well as smuggling, you know, large quantities of cocaine and stuff like that. Um, and he's also building up like a wealthy uh, clientele as well. But this guy's involvement in black magic stemmed from his childhood. Mm-hmm. Um his mother exercised uh, like considerable power within the local Cuban American community in West Miami, um, and she was uh, basically a witch. I think they called them a bruja or a bruja, um, okay. uh, and that's like um, uh, part of the uh, Afro Caribbean religious cult of um, Santi- um, Santer- Santeria. Uh, she conducted rituals involving trans states and animal sacrifice and intimidated mm. neighbor, neighbors who crossed her by leaving headless birds and other menacing symbols on their doorsteps. He's out on her. Yeah. And then in 1984, they, they moved to Mexico, Mexico to enter the drug business. And that's where, you know, so he's got a mother who was into all of this kind of, uh, all of this black magic stuff, and then he then they moved to to Mexico to be, you know, drug lords basically. And, he's and gone Const- away. yeah, and Constanzo controlled his gang members by carrying out rituals and blood blood sacrifices. And he oh, claimed so he that got scared, like, oh, I don't want to like yeah. mess with him. Well, yeah, but you're, he he also he claimed that um that like to the gang he did all of these things, saying that. This is what you've got to do to become wealthy, and you um, um, become immune to bullets of, from the police. So it wasn't just you know intimidating them and stuff like that. It was all about he brainwashed them into thinking that they would become like rich and immortal, basically, or invincible. Mm. Um, and he, he actually chose his the his, uh, his priestess Sara Aldretti. Um, as, as his companion, because she, uh, she was actually a student from Texas as well, and uh, but he, I, I suppose he brainwashed her as well. But he initiated certain members of the gang as, as executioners, um, and he would give them scar tattoos with razor blades. So this is Ooh, this, this is, is serious, like cult kind of like, yeah, yeah, mega um, mega violent in it. How many did they end up killing? How many killings? Uh, well, I don't think anyone knows how many in, in total. Probably a lot. <laughs> but in the nine months before Kilroy's death, Constanzo began following a black magic branch of um, Santeria called uh, Palomeum. It might be Palomeumbi. I'm, um, okay. Obviously, I'm, I might be getting that totally wrong, the pronunciation. But he started... Is this like um, devil worshipping it then, or is it some other, like, other demons or spirits or what? It's, it's spirits, isn't it? It's black magic. So 
Um, so it's not so, Satan. That's Christian, really. Christianity, I suppose. Yeah, not specifically Satanism. Yeah, but yeah, but dark kind of but, like evil spirits. Yeah, to get yeah. power. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. And he started. So nine months before Kilroy's death, that's when this guy started making actual human sacrifices. And he that's he used he used the shack on the ranch as like the killing house. But um yeah, but a month a month after Kil- Mark Kilroy disappeared, uh, Mexican narcotics police were they were chasing a car that was driven through a, an interception roadblock and they, they caught up with it at the um at the ranch. Um so there they they arrested the driver of the car and um and like they routinely showed Kilroy's photograph uh, to the caretaker of the ranch, and then uh, it, it seems a bit odd, doesn't it? They're, they've just chased a the car there, so like they're, they're like showing photo while they're there, might as well show some photographs of uh, of a missing person. And um, mm-hmm. uh, this caretaker recognised Kilroy, and he directed the police to the last place he'd seen him, and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was the shack where Constanzo um... held the victim. The Killing so, Shack. The Killing Shack. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good oh, title for a song. Oh, is it the, the pre-Killing shack. shack? Is it the pre-Killing But the police decided to in- investigate the shack, and inside yeah. they just found the walls splashed with old and new blood. <laughs> in a, in a, in an iron cauldron, they discovered what turned out to be Kilroy's brain. Uh. Sick man, sick. It must have been decomposed though, wasn't it? Uh, it depends what he was in. It might have been um, oh, like vinegar or something. pickled. Yeah, yeah. pickled brain. Yeah, there was uh, like just blood everywhere, dried on the walls. There was a turtle shell, um, a horseshoe. These are the tame parts, and a human spinal cord and several oh. limb bones as well. <laughs> nice. you know, the co- we haven't had. We haven't had a decent serial killer like that in ages, have we? No, not for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And anybody else would, would anyone else would call him a serial killer? But this because it's sort of maybe because it's like sort of linked to gangs and stuff, and I don't know, maybe it's something else. But yeah, well, maybe they only got him for one death. Yeah, maybe, maybe we might, we might get to that. But the um. In other containers, there was things like a goat head, uh, human hair, um, and dismembered chickens. And the whole area, as you can imagine, just reeked of death and putrefaction because it was hot there. And there was flies and maggots all over. I wonder what he was asking the dark spirits to do for him. Like, keep me safe from the police. (laughs) 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 Well, Well, yeah, well... I don't think it's keep you safe. It's just like it's it's reinforcing a belief that you are some kind of god. It's it's like narcissism, really, isn't it? It's to, I mean, in his case, it's it's a way to um to, to like rule over people and have power. But then, was he getting them to sacrifice them to him, or was he getting the sacrifices for a god that he worshipped? They. They would just do whatever he said, basically. Hmm. I think he was the one. He was the one mainly doing the actual rituals, 
but they were obviously involved in it. He's kind of like, you know, the cult leader sort of thing. Uh, yeah, was it the old uh, Manson? Wasn't he a cult leader? Was it Charles Manson? Yeah, he um, he had... Uh, yeah, didn't Charles Manson not actually do any killing, but he got people to do the killing? I'm not too familiar. I know that he, other, they broke into a house and murdered a family, didn't yeah. they? And and I, he, yeah, you might be right. He might not have done it, but... He, he told everyone else to do it, yeah. Yeah, he told them to do it. Well, I mean, in this case, the, the police did excavations around the ranch, um, and eventually they revealed shallow graves containing at, uh, at least 13 mutilated corpses. Mm. So they interrogated the caretaker and like, other people in the area, um, and then they swiftly sort of rounded up several of Constanzo's gang members, and he forced one of them um, to evacuate graves in front of journalists and camera crews. <laughs> Can you imagine? You're like, right, you gang member. Um, come on, we've got a load of uh, journalists here. Start digging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's mad. It's, it's not something that you would get in this country. But No, well, it was the 80s. Things happened differently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But none of the corpses were intact, obviously, just dismembered all of them. And um, oh. so uh, they all used – so this whole gang, right, they used knives, guns, clubs, fire, and uh, they hung people as well. So I've got they, all in on this. <laughs> they didn't just – they didn't just dismember people. They did it all. They, I like their think, commitment. Yeah, they tortured people with razor blades. Um, they mutilated people by removing nipples and genital uh, ears. Um, and they even ripped hearts from some of their victims. Oh, that's from like Temple of Doom, Kalimar. Well, it's funny you should say that because they were imitating um, the uh, Aztecs. Uh, they're all about deaths, aren't they? Yeah. And one of the bodies was actually a police officer. Two, two of them belonged to like a rival drug gang. Um, but most of the victims had just been abducted at random, you know, in random places. But, um, all the police that discovered the shack shared the beliefs, superstitions, and fears like of everybody else, and they just um. they had no difficulty in in recognizing. The, the mark of the um, Palo Miombi rites. So they must have, they must have all of them known about how these rituals are, are carried out. So as soon as they, they've seen, you know, how, how these bodies have been mutilated and everything, and you know the whole setup in the shack, they, they knew, they knew straight away what, what this was. Oh, there you go. So um. Yeah, also in the shack was a, like a large number of uh, ritual objects. And so it was like they had the cauldron. And apparently that's... <laughs> the witch's cauldron. I yeah. I cliche. <laughs> I think it's... Um, I'm not 100% sure on how to pronounce this, but it's um, gangas or ngangas. That's what they call oh. the cauldrons. Um, they, they had like long candles, as you'd expect. Half-burned yeah, oh, yeah. cigar, half cigars and... Chili peppers. Oh, we're and talking food. Like that voodoo, then, isn't it? Yeah, that's what kind of black magic, isn't it? Uh, oh, that's what kind of. Maybe it's part of it. it. Depends on you. 
I think it depends on the level. You could do, you could practice uh, voodoo, right? Um, which is but some not kind kill of people. Yeah, exactly. It's some kind of level on the spectrum of black magic, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. I've always thought like voodoo's kind of creepy and scary, but not really about killing, is it? Yeah, normally about like hurting the people that you don't maybe like. Maybe a goat. Yeah, maybe a goat. You can <laughs> maybe. Cut. I yeah, know. I might be just like looking at all that. Who am I kidding? All my information that I've got about voodoo has come from Live and Let Die, a James Bond movie. So there we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and and bits from Indiana Jones. Yeah, that's why I'm terrified of voodoo, I think, because of Live and Let Die and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Uh, well, Constanzo, he boiled hearts and brains and um, he would stir them in a soup with oh. the with the victim's bones um and then the gang sort of prayed this is where uh, how the gang took part in it but they would pray to receive strength and courage and success from the life force of the people that they murdered oh. so in a way they that's... Still, they've got to have positives <laughs> it's a in a way it's kind of beautiful <laughs> yeah it's beautiful <laughs> You're a sick man, but then, yeah. oh god! But later, get this man. Later, the police brought in um, an exorcist to dispel the evil, and then they burnt the shack to the ground. But um, cool. <laughs> but they're unable at first to find Constanzo. Obviously, they know it's him, um, and and other gang members. So uh, they went and searched his girlfriend's apartment. Um, uh, which revealed a blood splattered altar, of course, and oh, um, yeah. follow and, the trail of blood. And weirdly, uh, like a stash of children's clothing. Oh, this is where it feels it feels even more sinister now, doesn't it? And then more yeah. children's were found at Constanzo's apartment, and uh, but the Mexican newspapers began to refer to the cultists as uh, the. No, oh my god! I can't, I, the the narco satanic. I think it's basically the satanists of uh, Matamoros. <laughs> well, they weren't satanists though. They were no, but it's because of the, the rituals. It's it's kind of people yeah. see it as a satanist thing, don't they? And uh, while this was all going on, parents remember when we talked about this decade of through the eighties, people started getting scared of satan satanism. Yes, uh, they did. Yeah. Because of the serial killers from the seventies, and and then you know movies that came out that were horror films. And Exorcist, stuff. yeah, Evil Dead. <clears throat> well, this, uh, well, this is just another reason for parents to um, suddenly start escorting their children to and from school <laughs> when they might not have before. Um, and back in in Texas, communities oh they closed the border basically. Um, church services were held for Kilroy and. People who, people were just horrified at the the whole black magic and human sacrifice. So, but in May, nineteen eighty nine, the police finally caught up with Constanzo and three other members of his gang, um, and they'd all been on the run and they were just hiding in this apartment in Mexico City. And as the heavily armed police began to move in, one of Constanzo's bodyguards began just firing wildly through the window. He had like an AK-47 just 
shooting away. Mm-hmm. So the police obviously start returning fire with machine guns. Um, and in the noise and the confusions, Constanzo calmly announced that it was time to die. And he embraced his fellow gang members and ordered each and ordered each bodyguard to shoot them all. Oh no, sorry, he orders one bodyguard to shoot them all dead. Mm. And then the bodyguard had to shoot himself. Yep. So he agreed mm. with a burst of automatic fire. Um he kills Constanzo's reign of terror. Kaboom. But uh, but before Constanzo's gunman could reload and turn the gun on himself, the police burst into the apartment and arrest him. <laughs> oh, he's like, oh, damn it. Oh, damn it. I was just about to kill myself. Oh. And now I'm done for murder of like 20-odd people. Yeah. So with this guy's help, <laughs> now, now he's helping the police, um, yeah. they round up, round up the rest of the, the drugs gang. And uh, many of them just got like hefty jail sentences for their part in like thirteen ritual murder uh, murders at the at this ranch. Um, That's a real Texas Chainsaw Massacre kind of story, there. Yeah, well, and, and and this is the last part of this story. Really, is is um is about how if you've got a lot of money, you can really help yourself, especially in these kinds of scenarios, right? Because um they used the the. The, the members that got caught from like Constanza's inner circle, they had like a ton of cash, right? They were wealthy. Um, so they, although they did get sentenced, it made their life in prison as really comfortable. <laughs> but the fear still remains that Constanza's men, men could basically bribe their way out of uh, the, because Mexican jail is apparently notoriously corrupt. So they could, there is now a fear or there was a fear that they could bribe the way out of uh, jail and then resurrect the horrifying cult of drug running and then ritualistic murder. Did they bribe themselves out of prison? No. As far as I know, they they haven't. Hmm. (laughs) They were too comfortable in prison. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of probably safer in prison for them, really. They've got a ton of cash. Um, They can just... Live quite comfortably. Everything, yeah. Smuggle stuff in. They yeah, got their own little guards. Got their own little empire going in there. You know, yeah, they're pretty well. Oh, I'm glad the story had a happy ending. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, are kind of more modern type versions of it. You know, like uh, with um, families with certain beliefs who think their their children or their child is. Oh, that um, does go on. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing does go on, um, and that's horrific as well. But yeah, I can't really find much much else through the nineties and then up to current times. That um... interestingly enough, in, was it the Fred West cases was in the nineties, mm-hmm. and he had oh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he had like a his own bar in his house, and he called it the Black Magic Bar or something like that. Mm. So there was a few hints of like being into like dark satanic type stuff there. Or I just thought it was a cool name of a cool bar or the black magic bar or something. I don't know. I mean who who in their right mind would believe that by killing somebody you're you're gonna you could take on their life energy and become even more wealthy and even more powerful. 
Oh, you know what? There was that recent one in this country where, wasn't it the bloke? He killed two sisters and he had made an agreement with the devil that if he killed these two people, he'll get like him win the lottery or something. Oh, was I don't this... think he did win the lottery, but it's the one with the controversial thing where the the sisters, the some the police on the scene took pictures of their bodies or something. Uh, it was that one. I remember this one. The guy, yes, because the guy um, hid behind a tree, didn't he? And yeah. They, they'd gone for a picnic and then everyone left and um, the sisters just hung around for a bit longer and he was just sitting there waiting. And then Yeah, and he stabbed them up. Yeah, this was in uh, a park in Wembley. Yes, it was fairly, within the last five years, I think. Yeah. Um, I, it, was in, was it, it was in June 2020. He's, he's, wow. he's, I think he's literally just been sentenced. Oh, wow. oh no, he's, he's, due, he's due to be sentenced this month. So How the guy was called... sentenced? Jeez. I know, sometimes it takes... Maybe because of COVID and all that. It's taken so long, hasn't it? It's knocked everything back. But the guy was called Zach Bolin, and his victims were uh, Biba Henry and Nicole Smallman. Um, yeah, he attacked them. With a knife, stabbed them multiple times, killed them. Mm-hmm. Now he, he he pleaded guilty to manslaughter, but uh, he denied murder, and he's 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 been found guilty of murder. Obviously, absolute no case. Horrible, horrible story. Maybe we will do another episode on this, but there are um, there are people that claim that you can actually make a deal with the devil, uh, mm. and a lot of. Uh, a lot of people that have made, made, I don't know, become quite wealthy have made deals with the devil in return for a lifestyle. But but um, I don't think that they always end up, from what I've read, they always end up destroying their own life or something happens. It's usually to do with drugs. They usually get addicted to drugs and then they lose everything in the end. <laughs> it's that kind yes, of The moral is don't deal with the devil. He's a trickster. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Believe in yourself. Do it. Yeah. Do it of your own accord. You you basically do anyway. I'm really not sure how the devil's going to help you, other than give you the, the additional belief that you can do it. I find serial killers fascinating, and there's a few of the serial killers. I think they're actually when you look into it, it's just interesting to think what was going through their heads at the time. Um, I mean, the my favourite ones. I said one of my my favourite ones. More the ones that I'm interested in. John Wayne Gacy is creepy. That's a really sinister one. You know, the one who dressed as a clown. Yeah. Um, and he used to invite people to his house and then strangle them and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Dharma is an interesting one. Fred West is a fascinating one. Purely the fact that you've got two people together that have committed these awful murders together. And you're like... How did they bring that up in conversation that they fancied killing people? <laughs> well, there's always one of them that is up for it, and the other one is just kind of a, a follower, really. Or so you yeah, think. I'll do it or if so you, you want. think. Yeah, or, or just sort of. Maybe, like, maybe it's a bad combination of people. You know, sometimes you get a group of people who are just a bad combination for each other. You get this in, in work and all kinds of stuff, and they're just the wrong combination. One one takes it to one level, another one takes it to the next level, and then it just gets out of control. And, yeah, um, you've gone too far now. Yeah. <laughs> maybe 
wrong combination of two people who are a little bit sick and all 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 one of them has to do is give the other one permission to 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 do it and then they're giving each other permission and next thing you know it's just out we of control and we're in the era where people love to hear about killing <laughs> Oh, the, the famous evil killing is the Amityville horror. The guy that killed his whole family because he said the devil spoke to him and told him to do it. Ah. He's still in... Pre- Defoe, was it? Ronald Ronald Defoe? Um, killed his entire family whilst they slept one by one and then said the devil made him do it. Uh, I think he's still... I think he's due for parole. What? Oh, I would have thought he'd be dead by now. No, we're talking, it must have been, it happened in about 1975, I want to say. Um, so he would have been maybe 30 then. He could be in his 80s. Right, so the, Amityv- the Amityville murders uh, took place in Amityville, obviously, in New York. What year? Did ni- get the year in, right? Yeah, almost 1974. Oh, one year out. <laughs> so Ronald Defoe. Uh, it was Ronald DeFord Jr. shot his yeah. kill, killed his parents, two brothers and two sisters while they were sleeping, and he claimed that he was possessed by demons that made him do it. Yeah, and they they lived uh, they they'd only lived in that house for twenty eight days before the murders. Um, yeah, and they they had bought the house from George and Kathy Lutz, who had moved oh, out. Oh, hang 20- on, hang on. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Are you right? So, Lut, the Lutz family, were the ones that moved in after the Defoe murders. Oh. So, uh, you're. I think you know what. Are you reading about? If you're reading about the Amityville films, Amityville is based on the people that fled the house after 28 days. All oh, right. But they did Amityville Two was basically a retelling of the Defoe murders. Ah, so it was, but the Lutz claimed that uh, the house was haunted. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Lutz bought the house from the Defoe's uh-huh. after the killings, and they'd obviously got spooked that all these people got murdered in their house, and they they fled saying the house was haunted. Well, weirdly, some people, although some people believe that Ronald Defoe was um, possessed. Others believe that it was work. It was the work of a satanic cult. Ho-ho! There's a lot of weird things because they also believe that another theory that the sister was involved in it as well. But then he turned, he killed his sister. Um, and there's the weird thing that he went around his whole house shooting his family one by one with a shotgun, and it looked none of them woke up. They're all like lying flat on their face in the bed. Like, no one woke up or no one had any gunshots. And they're not drugged. weird stuff. No, well, I don't think they were drugged or anything. And the neighbours didn't uh, hear any shot, shots. There's a lot of interesting it. stuff about the whole thing. But all the bits after the, the, the faux murders were the real interesting one. Because that actually happened. And it's creepy what happened, how we did it all. Uh, yeah. But the actual Lutz stuff, that's that, the, believe it or not, it's they either got spooked or wanted to make some money out of a haunted house story. Anyway, yeah. anyway, 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 outro. Well. outro. Uh, you've been listening to uh, Nerds Talk with me, Steve, 
I'm Kevin. <laughs> and you can listen to the podcast on um, Audible, Spotify, blah, 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 the rest of them. Check out my stuff at stephensweeney.co.uk and uh, check out my comic book at um, uh, bringcasefiles.com. Kev? Uh, check me out at kevingroverfiction.co.uk. New book out this month. <gasps> Can't wait. Boom. We'll talk about that. See you later. Bye. 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 Bye.